Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary and my patron peeps, uh, what's up? Uh, thanks for supporting the show. Uh, and, uh, you know, always feel free to reach out to me about anything, dearest scooter at Gmail, especially if you don't have that RSS set up, uh, contact me or Patreon, support.patreon.com. Uh, but you know, if, if you have any other concerns, you know, so we try to figure out, uh, 2018, uh, please reach out or if you want to thinking about reducing your pledge or whatever, uh, I'm so grateful for your support, and it's uh, it's a powerful thing. Thank you. Hey, uh, only tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep. Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. And I'm going to do the rest. Uh, I'm going to try to do the rest, which is, which is uh, to create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's thoughts, uh, physical feelings, uh, emotions, noise, changes, whatever's keeping you awake. I'd like to take your mind off of that. I'd like to keep you company. And what I'm going to do is uh, send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky dulcet tones, pointless meanders, uh, tangents, uh, like la- la- layered tangents, um, filler words, all those things. Uh, I'm going to try to be at your side, uh, chattering, uh, like uh, also getting mixed up in blank, blank, blank spaces. Not the kind that Taylor Space, uh, Taylor Space, and Taylor Swift to th- think about, sing about. I don't know, I think my mind might be a blank space uh, right now, but that's good because it's open and it's like, it, this is the most welcoming blank space. Like sometimes blank space is like blank page. Writers talk about that all the time. Blank space, if you're a podcaster, usually you'd say, well, there's going to be a lot of echo in that room. That's no good. Blank canvas usually gets like a better press. I don't know who's doing the PR for blank canvases. Uh, but versus a blank page, a blank page, like if people have a visceral reaction that they say, hey, well, you got a blank canvas here. Go for it. I think because, uh, I don't know, especially involved with finger painting. Uh, I guess when I think of canvases, I don't know why I think of finger painting, but I do. Not at my place, though, and not at, no finger painting at bedtime. That's another true. I don't know if that's a truism, but that would be probably a good uh Maybe not, though. Maybe we could get some, like, lavender-scented, like, build in some detergent. uh, But also, like, what if we combined... Let's come back to this. This could be a new product for the podcast. Sleep paint. uh, The the painting and the finger painting that puts you to sleep. So I'll cross my finger and try to come back to that. But for you new... If you're a new listener, thanks for coming by. I hope I can earn your trust and make you feel welcome and uh, put, put, put your mind at ease. Here's what to expect. The structure of the show. First four to six minutes are business. It's a sleep podcast. And in order to keep our extensive archives free and keep the show going, uh, it takes a lot of work. And that's how we do it and keep it free. Uh, so if you're new, you could kind of skip over that or thank you for staying through it. Uh, uh, so that's the beginning of the show. Then there's an intro, which is around 12 minutes, where I get distracted like by things like finger painting and uh, like ideas that you'd never associate with finger painting, like bedtime. And then brilliantly, I try to make a metaphor 
And then when I can't do that, I just make a mildly, like a met, mis, I misuse my metaphors or the purple prose paint kit. We could, maybe we could call it that. Uh, and, uh, so I the intro is where I kind of display my, uh, talent's a strong word. Uh, my ability, my, uh, <laughs> you see, I just think I just did it. Like, uh, I'm just here to, I'm not here to, um, It'll make more sense when I get through the structure. Uh, then tonight we'll be talking actually about an episode of Doctor Who that has Charles Dickens in it. It's not a Doctor Who Christmas special, but because it had Charles Dickens, and I think in 2018 we're going to be doing some Doctor Who content, I thought it would be a nice teaser. Uh, so we'll be talking about the two, the, the, the newer ser- series of Doctor Who, the first season or the first series. Uh, Episode three, which I don't know, I can't remember the name of the episode, but Charles Dickens is in it. It should, I don't think it was called What the Dickens, but it could, it, it probably wouldn't have been anyway. Dickens gets gas, get, gets the gas. That's what I, gets the gas. He had the gas face, uh, like Prime Minister Pete Nice used to sing about. Uh, but anyway, so where was I? Okay, so the intro. Then there's. Then I'll talk about Doctor Who. If you if you're unfamiliar with Doctor Who, or you're worried about it, it like this will be the most. You'll say he really was he really talking about Doctor Who? That's most people's reaction. They say, "Wow, it's just here to put you asleep." But like really, the content is a vehicle for my meanders. Uh, so you could listen whether you like Doctor Who or you're not sure about it. Uh, give it a try. I, I promise I work very hard to make sure this is as sleepy as it can be and that uh, I'm pretty descriptive. So, and, and in this one, I'll actually kind of explain some, like, because uh, I, I, know, I know about as much about Doctor Who as you do, uh, unless you know stuff about it, then then I don't. So I'll talk about Doctor Who, then we'll have some thank yous at the end of the show. And that's, so that's the structure of the show. Unlike other podcasts, you don't have to listen. You don't have to pay attention to me. <laughs> I think you figured that out already, but uh, it's actually encouraged. Uh, you can kind of pay attention. You can barely pay attention. You can be vaguely aware that I'm talking. You could pay attention. I'll be here to keep you company. And that's really the purpose the show serves, is to take your mind off of stuff or to be your companion or to be both. Uh because this podcast, while I say it's a podcast to put you to sleep, it's really the podcast that's here while you fall asleep. Uh, I keep company in the deep, dark night. And I try to create a like a safe, a silly place uh, where you can set all that other stuff aside. And you say, hey, I can focus on this podcast, kind of, instead of all the other stuff. But I can also, you know, snuggle into my pillow poo uh, or, you know, my, whatever you could, like uh, my Betty poo. My Betty by and get comfy and uh, just maybe maybe barely smile at this uh, this person that goes on tangents and and yeah let me pitch you let me finish this intro with pitch you on this new product you may have heard of other sleep podcasters even me that once believed no finger painting at bedtime they keep the art, art projects out of the bed I used to say but I say that no more. As I'm prepared to unveil the imaginary beta version of uh, a yet unnamed product, uh, lavender infused with uh, only the finest essential oils, cold pressed, uh, 
uh, finger paints with their own. Not only are they non-staining or whatever the heck you use, uh, oh, totally plant-based, 100% plant-based. And, uh, like, but but also they come with their own, like, this one we don't, it's tough to put in the copy, but it has, like, the plant-based detergents in there, which are actually the same thing, that the conduit for the paint or whatever, whatever you call that, the medium. The medium of the medium. How about that? Uh, somebody get what's his name on the phone? Uh, I can't even think of his name. <laughs> but anyway, uh, like, uh, and you can get in bed, and it, you, oh boy! And we're thinking about you know adding some melatonin and, and things like that to to our more advanced products, but we haven't done that yet. Uh, but think about that. You'd have a smooth tactile. We also sell a bone, like on the side, a warmer paint warmer that, you know, gets it to a nice warm paint. And you could do it on your walls. You can paint your sheets. You could paint this person sleeping. I mean, can you imagine how fun it would be if you couldn't sleep and you could, but you could paint the face of the person next to you sleeping so soundly, you know, with finger paints and they're warm to, you know, we'll warm them to 98.5 degrees. So they won't even know. And maybe we'll do a dry bait, you know, maybe we'll do a dry version and they'll say, oh, that smells great. Uh, maybe we could do black light paint. So then they wouldn't even know. You say, oh, yeah, this is just a, a sleep bomb scooter puts on his elbows. And then you could paint, you know, little things on their face like uh, because they're sleeping. So, you know, because it's just so nice that they're sound, sound asleep. Oh, snoring away like a dream. No reason to, you know, put some frowny face on their cheek or whatever, or, you know, make some funny eyebrows or, you know, give them like a clown nose, whatever it is. And, you know, you, well, there's also, we do have bed-based canvases, uh, with, uh, you know, round, the round, of course, as in cushioned, the cushioned canvas, uh, and that's going to be available probably 2040. Uh, uh, we'll hit the market. So think about that uh, for now. And, uh, you know, send your deposits. Uh, in, in fact, just, you know, just open your windows, throw your deposit right out there, right out the window, and I'll get it, believe me. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's a new product. I forgot what I was going to call it, but it's uh, Finger Paints for Bedtime, part of our new holistic sleeping pro- program. I'm moving away from just being a sleep podcaster to being a sleep business. Uh, and this can be our first foray. Oh, my brain just got back to me. It said that that foray, it said I can barely predict the future, but that foray did not work out. So we're going to readjust. Uh, so hold on to those deposits, maybe finger painting in bed, according to my predictive brain. Oh, no, that was my common sense brain, it just said. But I think maybe the the paint the paint your partner's face thing that might have some pro, like uh it would it would be easily it would be like a hypoallergenic and it would probably have some aloe plant but that would still be plant based and lavender infused so you could paint their faces I think at least we could do that product uh, and we could do an invisible one that you can only see in black light. So then they wouldn't even, you'd say, well, no, honey, I was just putting some, uh, this, yeah, this is uh, that, uh, eucalyptus bomb, 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 uh, that was Ricky Ticky Tabby's best friend, uh, in some fan fiction I wrote. So I guess that's it. Uh, that's it. So it's a spy cast to put you to sleep. I, I'm, I'm, it doesn't work for everybody. 
like, give it a few tries. And like literally 98% of the reviews say it took me a few tries. Uh, and this is uh, all it takes is a little investment of your time. And I hope I can help you fall asleep. And yeah, it, might, it doesn't work for everybody. I hope it works for you. Uh, but if it doesn't, I'm sorry. And you could, you know, try out some LibriVox or you could email me. Because uh, I'm only here to help because I've been there tossing and turning uh, as recently as, uh, you know, not that long ago. So I'm glad you're here. And I really hope uh, I yearn, I strive, and I work very hard because I want to help you fall asleep. So thanks again for coming by. All right, everybody. So we're talking about, uh, tonight we're going to be talking about Doctor Who. Now, I wanted to give some Doctor Who basics for both myself and anybody that doesn't watch Doctor Who. Or you're kind of vaguely familiar with it because it is a big part of pop culture, at least in the U.S. and the U.K. I'm not sure about where else it's like. Uh, so let me know, Canadians, what's your feeling on Doctor Who? You know, Australia, New Zealand, around the world. Let me know because I'm thinking in 2018 uh, we'll either do. Uh, just a Doctor Who for a while and then go back to TNG or alternate. So let me know what you think about that, dear Scooter at Gmail. Uh, but it is time to change it up. I've gotten some feedback about uh, a TNG that it's it's excluding some people, even though it's very beloved. So I'm trying to find a balance, and uh, this really seems like a fun show. But we'll be deciding as we go into the new year. And who knows? We'll see what happens, right? But this is a good episode to start with. Uh, but just from our friends over at Wikipedia, or Wikipedia, or Wikipedia, uh, Doctor Who is a British science fiction television program produced by the BBC is since 1963. Uh, the program, this is the important part, depicts the adventures of a time lord called the Doctor, uh, an extraterrestrial being from the planet Gallifrey, or Gallifrey, I don't know. And the Doctor explores the universe in a time-traveling ship called the TARDIS, all caps, T-A-R-D-I-S. Its exterior appears as a blue British uh, police box, which is a common sight in Britain in 1963 uh, when the series first aired. It's a comp- he's accompanied by, the Doctor is accompanied by a number of companions and... Uh, the Doctor works to help people in need, uh, like a lot of these shows people love. Uh, Highway to Heaven, uh, Quantum Leap, uh, and the other ones. You know, uh, Big Farm, she wrote. I think she was helping people afterwards, though. Uh, But it's a big part of British popular culture, and it has a big following. It originally ran from 1963 to 1989. Then they tried to revive it in 96, and then they did relaunch it in 2005. And this is particularly important for this episode. It's produced in-house at BBC Wales in Cardiff, uh, which makes a lot of sense. I didn't know that until now, uh, but that really plays a role in this particular episode with some of the jokes. Uh, it also has a lot of spin-offs. There's been 12 actors that have played the Doctor. And let's just see a little bit more. Uh, the premise uh, is a uh, doctor who follows uh, the adventures of primary ca- character, a rogue time Lord uh, who goes by the name, the doctor. He t- stole a TARDIS at time and relative dimension in space. Uh, it's a time machine that travels by materializing and dematerializing out of the time vortex. 
the TARDIS has a vast interior, but appears smaller on the outside and, and is equipped with a chameleon circuit uh, that makes the machine take on the appearance of local objects as a disguise. But due to a malfunction, this TARDIS only appears as a, a blue British police box from the 60s. Uh, the doctor also finds often finds events that pique his curiosity as he tries to help uh, people, and uh, he can only rely on his ingenuity and minimal resources. So he's kind of a trickster hero. He has a, a, a sonic screwdriver. He often brings one or more companions uh, to share new adventures. He is fascinated with Earth, uh, so he could, frequently chooses Earthlings. And he uh, can regenerate and become uh, take on a new appearance and personality. And I think that's it. There's a lot about the history of the show. I just briefly talk about my history of the show. So the current series, I had actually watched the first two episodes uh, maybe like a year ago, trying to figure out, or maybe even longer than that, of like, huh, would we do this as a show uh, on Sleep With Me? And then... Uh, um, then and more and more I thought about it, I said, okay, this might be a good a good new series to test out. Other than that, like, I, I, I find it interesting, and I find anything that has strong f- fandom uh, very appealing uh, personally. But my experience with Doctor Who as a child was not, uh, it was whatever time it was on, I think it was on PBS, uh, the music in the, like, uh, was very, like, the music now, I think, is super cool. As a kid, it kind of was like, a, it, it, like, it, there must have been something I saw as a little kid that I just said, well, this show is not for me. Uh, like, it had something too archetypal for me that, that, that I said, well, I don't think it, like, so as a kid, I, we, we had seen some episodes, me and, and probably Carl and Sheila, and I decided that the archetypes were not my, like, uh, at my level. So it was just above my level, uh, as a kid. And so I never really watched it, but I, you know, I'm really familiar with it, uh, because it is such a big part of our cultural landscape, uh, and it's been around for such a long time. Uh, so that is, uh, a little bit about Dr. Who. And there's even more good news about this episode because someone that's come up on the po- podcast, uh, and it has been talked about on my favorite podcast, uh, or one of my favorites, uh, Script Notes, things about screenwriting, things interesting to screenwriters, and things, something like, I can never remember that, but uh, Mark Gatiss, or Gattis, uh, G-A-T-I-S-S, wrote this episode we're going to be talking about tonight. And uh, you may know that uh, he works on Sherlock, uh, and he's worked on Doctor Who, uh, and, uh, he's in the comedy team, the League of Gentlemen, uh, but he's also the representative of the Bank of Bravos, uh, on Game of Thrones. And so I, I just thought that was a cool, like a uh, coincidence. I said, holy cow. It was almost like when I saw Arnie's name this summer, uh, Arnie from Hello from Magic Tavern, when I was playing, uh, one of the Jackbox games. And I was watching the credits and I said, Arnie, Ar- and that, no, you know, everyone no, not everybody listens to podcasts, so when you shout things out with your family, like when someone's a celebrity to you as a podcast, you say, that's Arnie from Hello from the Magic Tavern. And I guess my family's not, like, like they just all, like, what? Uh, so, that, so this game was written by Arnie. And that was the same thing I was doing, like, uh, even though I probably Gatiss, uh, pronounced Mark's name wrong, I was shouting that about this episode of Doctor Who. So I think I'm trying to think if there's anything else about Doctor Who we should talk about right now. 
It's also another thing I like to do with this uh, is that Doctor Who's all on Amazon Prime. I'm not sure if it's on. Uh, I'm not sure if it's on Netflix as well, but it's like uh, it, that makes it something that's like incredibly accessible, which is important. And that was what I liked about TNG was it was kind of everywhere. Uh, and that was a problem. One of the problems with Discovery was that it's like uh, a little bit less uh, accessible. Uh, so this episode was from season one. Oh, I forgot to talk about uh, who who the doctor is. Uh, but if you watch the TV show The Leftovers, you'll definitely recognize who it is. And, and it just shows what a fine actor uh, the show's running. So this is season one, episode three, The Unquiet Farmers. And it opens with the lighting of a gas lamp. Uh, and uh, they're talking about condolences. Uh, it's a very thin candle used to light the lamp. I don't know what those are called, wicks or something. Mr. Sneed, and someone's there to see his grandmama. Uh, she's blue. She she's going to the big farm, but first she goes blue. And Mr. Sneed goes, "Oh no, uh, we've got another one uh, uh, singing like a like uh, like Elvis about blue Hawaiians or something." And he says, "Oh no, we got another one." And uh, grandma starts singing about like, and her grandson is like, grandmama, like, uh, you're going to the big farm. What are you singing about? Uh, why are you like uh, singing about blue Hawaiians or blue holidays or whatever? And he says, you gotta like get And Everyone tries to, and she says, uh, she says, you know what? I'm headed out on my own. I want to see a show. And you say, what? And, and, uh, uh, there's like, she's not only she's singing blue, but she has this blue, uh, aura about her and she heads out on, uh, out onto the street. And then that's when the episode opens. Oh, we see also see it's like, a it's Victorian times. It's snowing, it's winter and it's very, very nice. Uh, and then we see that Mark uh, Gatiss wrote the episode. We see the TARDIS in the kind of time stream. Then we're in the TARDIS, and uh, uh, the Doctor and Rose, who we'll probably meet uh, she, from Christopher Eccleston, that's who is the actor, and Billy Piper plays Rose. He's saying, hold it down, and then they're trying to go to 1860. And, like, I, I couldn't do, they're just trying to get, uh, they're having a little trouble with uh, managing the TARDIS, I guess. And there's a lot of good comedy. Like, that's one of the best parts about this. This is a very, very funny program. Uh, so he's saying, yeah, let's go to 1860. Rose's like, why in 1860? The doctor's like, why not? Uh, so he redirects him to 1860. Uh, then we're back in 1860-ish. And uh, who is it? Sneed is like uh, Gwyneth, uh, his assistant, uh, He's like, where were you? She said, breaking ice uh, out in the stable from the Samson ice place. Uh, and he says, go out there and, uh, or maybe Samson's a horse. He goes, we got to get on the road. We got uh, one of our customers is out there singing Blue Hawaiian. And she says, Mr. Sneed, like Blue Hawaiian. Uh, and he says, yeah, she's an 86 year old. It's not proper. And she goes, isn't it Blue Christmas? And he goes, let's not debate, like, let's not debate about it. Uh, her grandson is not happy, and he pulled his deposits. 
And she says, you know what, uh, this is really out of control. Like your business is like, uh, she goes, you realize that, uh, everyone that comes here is getting like, she goes, it's something about this place. It makes people giant Elvis fans. Maybe it's all the Elvis stuff around here. And he goes, I don't even know what we're talking about. This is so confusing because this is Victorian times in 1860. Then we see snow falling. We see the TARDIS come in. Then we see green light and Rose and the doctor are laughing and cracking up. And they're like, okay, I think we landed okay. And they say, okay, we're we're in Naples in uh, Christmas Eve 1860. And Rose is happy, and the doctor's like, uh, he's a rapscallion, I would say. He goes, like, uh, why don't you step outside? And then kind of Rose kind of talks about the strangeness of time travel and, you know, that things are only supposed to happen once and never again. And this doctor, he's always looking amused, uh, so he's laughing with amusement, uh, like how he's seen hundreds of thousands of sunsets, sunsets, uh, and he goes, it's a pretty good life. Uh, and she's like, yeah, it's pretty good to be like traveling with you. And he goes, come on, let's go. And he goes, but first you got to change. He goes, you look like Barbarella. He goes, uh, go first left, second right, third left, uh, under the stairs, past the bins, fifth door on the right or something. So you get an idea of how giant the inside of the TARDIS is. Uh, then we're outside. We're seeing the horses. They're looking for Grandmama provocating or something. Uh, that was a good word. And then Sneed's kind of pushing pressure on, uh, uh, she goes, he goes, come on, you can, you can, you can sense, uh, she has really good hearing. So he says, really listen for anyone singing these strange Elvis songs. And they think what happened is their, uh, house, his house, Sneed's business and house is on the rift, uh, where there's just, like, you'd think if it was a rift, it'd be fish music coming through, because they have a song, you find a rift, you're hoping that your dread will lift. But this one, the rift is on, like, a, like some sort of Elvis, Elvis Elvil rip, rift, uh, where Elvis music is just coming through and getting in everybody, earworming everybody. Uh, so she's looking. Then we see Charles Dickens. You want to talk about another turn? And he kind of seems like he has a headache or something, or he's down, maybe like a little drunk or something. He says he's brooding, and it's showtime. And he says, Jesus, Christmas Eve, I'm all alone, man, uh, bummed out. And he got, the guy he's talking to him says, you don't got anybody? He goes, nope, uh, got no one. He says, I've been cl- clumsy in family matters, uh, really blew it. Uh, now I'm too old to, to cause any more trouble. And the guy says, you speak like it's all over. And Dickens says, it's never over, uh, but I better get on because he's supposed to perform. And he goes, the same old show, and I repeat myself through all eternity. Uh, so Dickens is down. Uh, and the guy says, it's never too late, buddy. And he goes, no, it is. My imagination has gone stale. And he goes, maybe I've thought everything I'll ever think. Uh, so you feel like this is the Charles Dickens. But he goes, uh, well, let's get out into the limelight, man. Potent as a pipe. And he takes off a robe. Uh, and then he puts on his jacket and he, he gets ready to perform. On with the motley. I didn't know what that meant. Uh, then the doctor's working on the TARDIS. And uh, 
He's got a sonic screwdriver. He says, blimey, uh, Rose is dressed up. He says, you look beautiful. He says, for a human. And she goes, aren't you going to change? And he goes, uh, I've changed my jumper. I don't know. Like, uh, he says, come on. He's just got a leather coat on. And they run out into the snow. And uh, she steps foot in, like, fresh from new fallen snow. Uh, and she's really excited. Uh, Rose. And they, they walk out. And uh, the doctor says, you ready? Like, uh, let's step into history. And they really look like they're going to have fun. And then Dickens goes on stage. There's a lot of applause and clapping. And then Grandma's Grandma Ma's in the audience. Uh, and at first she's just kind of watching, but she looks like she's really watching hard. Uh, then it's like the wind's really whipping, and the doctor and Rose are walking out in the streets. Uh, it looks cold. I don't know if they're actually outside, but it looked like uh, cold. There's Christmas carols being sung. The actors running around. Then we see Sneed looking around. Uh, and she says, uh, the, uh, Gwyneth says, I think she's in the theater. Uh, then the doctor gets a newspaper to confirm where they are. And he says, it's uh, 1869. And Rose says, I don't care. And he goes, we're not in Naples. Uh, we're in Cardiff. Uh, and Rose says, it's too much fun. I don't care at all. Uh, and it felt like a little bit of a Cardiff joke there, and there's a couple. Then we go back to Dickens, who's doing a, a Christmas Carol and talking about the knocker uh, and uh, uh, Scrooge and Marley and how Scrooge went to his door and the knocker became Marley. And he's really putting on a, like, a, like a really good performance. Uh, and he's talking about how strange it would be if the knocker became Marley. And the audience is really, they're gripped. Uh, they're really into the performance. Uh, and right when he says that, uh, you see, you know, he's really building the tension. Then Grandmama starts singing uh, like Elvis, which to people in 1869, it doesn't make any sense at all. And she probably even says something about peanut butter uh, and banana sandwiches or whatever, uh, that Elvis used to eat. Uh, and, uh, not only is she singing, she's like got this whole blue aura. So it's really like, people are like, what is this? Uh, and it becomes so much that people like are like, uh, like singing another song, something strange in the neighborhood. Uh, they're like, who are Dickens? Who are you going to call? And he's, he's like, what in the blooming world? Uh, night out of the more fantastic Hams and Dickens. Oh, there they just ran into the theater and they saw her singing, the doctor and Rose, uh, and Sneed, and did uh, Dickens who thinks that the doctor's body goes wag. I hope you're satisfied. Then Rose sees them. Uh, uh, going somewhere with, uh, with, uh, like, uh, grandmama. And she goes, what are you doing with that Elvis fan? I'm from the modern era. And she goes, it's no, no Elvis, never heard of Elvis. Uh, she's just got a little fever. And they say, why don't you take a ride with us, uh, in our court carriage, Rose? And Rose says, uh, are we going to drink blue Hawaiians? Uh, 
And so they head off. Meanwhile, the doctors are like cracking jokes with Dickens, which is worth it. And then they see Rose's aura goes into the gas lamp. Uh, so he's like, is this some sort of, uh, like, is uh, Elvis really alive but in the past? Uh, and he tries, the doctor tries to run after Rose. Uh, and Dickens is running after the doctor thinking he's the one putting on the show. And how did he do it? How did he make, uh, like, Dickens is grilling the doctor. Like, what is that, a trick? Uh, and then Dickens jumps in a cab, but it's really the doctor's coach. And he says, well, come on, Doc. I mean, come on, uh, Charles. And uh, first they're, like, going back and forth. Uh, and Dickens goes, I, you know, this is the first time he figures out it's Charles Dickens. He goes, I can't believe you're Charles Dickens. You're brilliant. Uh, and then Dickens calms down. He goes, I've read everything. Uh, the Great Expectation. Uh, the, the the other one, the Signal Man. He goes, oh, I loved that one. And he goes, you're really a genius. And Dickens goes, well, thank you. I think uh, he goes, I'm such a big fan. And he goes, what? Uh, these are some of the good jokes. A big fan. He goes, yeah, I'm your number one fan. And he goes, a means of keeping oneself cool. And he goes, no, fanatic, devoted to you. Uh, he goes, what about that stuff in uh, American stuff in Chuzzle Whip? And then Dick is, he goes, oh, he can't take, uh, it's just, a little, just so fast. The writing is so good in the acting. Uh, there's like 10 more jokes in there. And they're chasing after the other one, like the other, to keep up with Rose. Uh, uh, and then Dickens gets into it. He goes, this is a chase. He goes, yeah, this, he goes, attaboy, Charlie. And he goes, nobody calls me Charlie. And Dickens goes, yeah. And he goes, are you sure? He goes, uh, I'm your number one fan. And then we get back to Sneed's house where we'll kind of stay for most of the rest of the episode. And, uh, they bring roses, rose into their house, uh, and you really get a lot of fixating on the gas lamps. Uh, so we know that this appearance of Elvis's music imbuing in people in the 1869s uh, through Blue Auras is uh, maybe related to that. And then Gwyneth and uh, Sneed are going back and forth. How are we going to fix this? And then there's a knock at the door. And uh, Sneed says, Gwyneth, get rid of them. Uh, then Rose wakes up. Uh, and she's already hearing, like, other Elvis songs, like, from the deep tracks, uh, uh, like Grandmama's Grandson. Uh, then Dickens and the doctor are at, at the house, and they say, uh, we demand come in. And Gwen, or, uh, yeah, Gwyneth tries to say, no, no, no. And Dickens is really uh, into it. He goes, no, 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 we're coming in now. Then the gaslights are puffing. And Dickens says, what in the Shakespeare's going on here? And then Rose sees the grandson start singing uh, uh, something. And it's not karaoke, though. She says, what are you singing Elvis for? Like, it's 1869. We've got to maintain some kind of characters. And he doesn't even know that it's Elvis. Uh, and they like the doctor. Meanwhile, is upstairs. He figures out that the gas is related to the Elvis. Uh, that Elvis may be in the gas of the building, and that's all big leap, you know. And then uh, uh, Elvis and the doctor run to Rose, uh, 
you get a lot of running around and they say, uh, Hey Rose, uh, what's going on? She says, is this, she goes, this weird, like, uh, uh, it's not just that they like Elvis. They're expecting everybody else to listen to Elvis. And I also like how the doctors, uh, like, uh, always got something funny to say. Then Dickens is kind of the skeptic. He's like, uh, this is all, he goes, this is just all some illusion to sell your music. Uh, and he goes, Hey, this is uh, Charles Dickens, by the way. Then the doctor talks to them. He goes, what's going on with this? And they get, they do say, Oh, uh, we're singing music from the rift. Uh, it's Elvis is coming across the rift. It wants to come into 1869 and rock it. Uh, or, you know, like whatever he's not, he's, he ain't nothing but a hound dog. Uh, then everyone sits down for a meeting you know, over tea and they kind of debate things. Rose says, geez, I can't believe you left me with these Elvis fans. Uh, I like Elvis, but, uh, they're from 1869. And they talk about, then Sneed talks about, hey, I bought this house. I didn't realize it was like infested with the spirit of Elvis. Uh, but you can't keep the beggars down. That's what uh, they say. Like the guy says, anyone that comes in here becomes this like uh, Elvis fanatic. Uh, and they say, like, like just like at your performance, Grandma Ma showed up. Uh, and Dickens is like, this is all some sort of illusion. Uh, first of all, I never heard of this Elvil. Uh, and I'm, you know, and the doctor's like, come on, man. Come on, uh, Charles. Uh, and the doctor says, I think the rift is getting stronger. And then they say, what is a rift? Well, a weak point in time and space. And they say, oh, this is probably why we got the house cheap. Then Dickens just leaves to go out on his own. Uh, the doctor gets a kick out of it. Meanwhile, Dickens is wa- walking around investigating. Uh, he starts hearing music uh, in the gas. So he's trying to figure out what the trick is because they don't have, you know, speakers back, like uh, digital stuff back then. Uh, but he looks around. He's looking for all sorts of tricks. Uh, uh, like, how'd they do that? And meanwhile, the doctor watches him through a doorway. And he goes, it's all in the gas, man. He goes, it's not a, like a mechanism. It's not an illusion. Come on, Charles. He also had told Charles to shut up. So he's like, sorry, I told you to shut up. You're one of the best minds in the world. Uh, this is a, like a like a ga- gas version of, uh, he goes, just pretend it's just a famous musician. And they want their music to to, to be loved uh, and appreciated, maybe like somebody else. Uh, and Charles goes, no, 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 I'm against illusion, people creating illusions uh, for people to believe in. Uh, he goes, if it's an illusion, that's fine. He goes, but the real world is something else. Uh, he goes, I've just dedicated to these injustices uh, and social causes. Uh, I wanted to be a force for good. And he goes, if you're telling me it's possible for uh, famous musicians to transform their music through riffs uh, through the gas lines, uh, he goes, I can't even process that. He goes, maybe, he goes, you know, I can't deal with that, really. Yeah, then Rhodes and Gwyneth kind of talk. uh, They have like an interlude moment where they talk about not liking school and skipping school. 
and dating and Gwyneth likes the butcher's boy. And then they talk about bums. Uh, so Rose is trying to encourage her to uh, date the butcher's boy. And then things kind of get weird. Uh, and you see that kind of Gwyneth, uh, yeah, she can hear music that's not even, that's the music that's still in the gas lines playing. So she starts just singing along, but Rose can't hear the music. And she's singing a modern day song that Rose had written. Uh, just kind of like, you know, every rose has its thorn or whatever. And uh, Rose is like, uh, what, is, what is going on here? And even I, like when I was watching it, uh, I didn't like, uh, I don't know. She's just she's just singing along and, and it's a strange little moment. Uh, uh, they go from, you know, talking about the butcher's boy uh, to uh, her kind of just singing. Uh, but you can tell also that Rose is like uh, very encouraging of Gwyneth. Uh, uh, she says, "Geez, I want you to be more assertive." Uh, and uh, like, I don't, I don't like this, Mister Sneed. I, I think that, uh, like, uh, you, you should, uh, you should be more dignity and respect. Uh, and she goes, "Well, yeah, like, I, she goes, I, I can't wait to see my parents. So they live at the big farm." Uh, and she goes, maybe, you know, maybe we could all meet someone, uh, she goes like your dad, like in the song I just sang. And then she accidentally says that she knows the doctor. And then Rose is like, well, you know, my songs and you know, but like, have you been reading out of my, how'd you read through my song journal? And she goes, I don't know. It's just a power I have, uh. They can hear the, the, the songs in the gas. And she goes, Rose, you, she starts singing another song to Rose about how far Rose has come from London. And she goes, you know, even the, like, she goes, like, it's really busy there. And she goes, uh, yeah. Oh, and there's a lot of noise and, and metal boxes, uh, and the birds in the sky. And yeah, she makes up a song about that. Uh, and that's why, and then she says, you've really flown a lot, Rose, uh, and, and seen a lot. And, uh, and uh, Rose is like, what in the heck? Uh, and, uh, like, uh, the, then the next thing, you know, the doctor's standing there and he kind of surprises him. He goes, yeah, things are getting more powerful with that gas music. That's what this, all this is. Uh, he goes, hey, I want to break the tension here because uh, it's part of the rift. Uh, you're part of the rift. Uh, it dribbles on you like a glass. You, oh, no, it's a different song. But uh, uh, he goes, uh, he goes, well, let's, he goes, let's see, figure this out. He goes, the doctor says, let's figure this whole rift situation out. We'll have a little, uh, like, roundabout. And Dickens is like, I don't want any part of this. He goes, this is like, because uh, they're going to do tarot cards. Uh, he says, humbug. Uh, this is a cheap mummery I strive to unmask. Uh, he goes, there's no such, he goes, nothing but luminous tambourines and a squeeze box between the knees. He goes, there's no such thing as uh, futurism. And the doctor says, I love a happy medium. Uh, that's funny. Even Rose said, that was doctor, that was a cheap joke. Uh, 
And so Dickens uh, sits down and they say, okay, let's uh, think of it. Let's see if we can all hear this music t- together. And they all start to listen for the music and the gas, mostly all the tunes, but there's some other ones. Uh, and they say, hey, like, what are your songs really want? Like, how can we help? Uh, and they start to hear that, but Dickens doesn't buy it. And then they start to sense, like, the music's becoming more cohesive. Uh, I mean, this is something with Bluetooth, you know, we deal with every day. So the, to them, especially because it's coming through gas lamps, it's, like, kind of mind-blowing that uh, there'd be music coming through. Uh, so they're saying, hey, like, let's really listen to the music, uh, just like the doobies would say. And they say, what, do the, what does the music want? Does it just want to be heard, Gwyneth, or what? what is it? And they say, actually, uh, we are a species, uh, and we're from the other, another universe. Uh, we're the Gelth, uh, and we just use the music to try to get to, to you through the rift. Uh, we just need some help. Uh, we, like, our universe got mech- messed up. Uh, during the time wars, right, Doctor? You know what that you know about that. Uh, uh, we, we used to be like we used to. Now we're in gas music, uh, and even Rose looks like a doctor. Like, what is the time war, Doc? Uh, but they say, yeah, uh, we we were, were we were a higher form, but now we're just a gaseous uh, traveling on like a mu- vibrations of music, a gaseous state. And they say, we really want to get to another universe where we could be more physical. Uh, so we'd like that. And the doctor says, huh, I wonder if we could figure that out. Uh, because uh, we could we could help. We, we Maybe this is our mission is to help these gaseous uh Music beings, the gelt, uh, and they say, come on, help us out. And then they say, we got to go back to the lamps. Uh, and they go back to the lamps. And uh, Dickens says, uh, holy cow, I think this is real. Uh, uh, he's kind of shaking. He says, it's all true. It's all true twice. Uh, then the cl- clock chimes as Rose kind of helps Gwyneth wake back up. Uh, and they kind of talk about, geez, what are these beings? Uh, and the doctor sighs. And they say, uh, like, what is it again, doctor? Because I didn't understand the first time. He goes, well, they're basically aliens. And they go, like, from another country? He goes, yeah, another country way out there. He goes, like, Brecken? He goes, kind of, like, if you wanted to get from Brecken to Cardiff, but the road was closed. Uh he goes, but they had to come through the gas pipes. Uh, and Dickens is kind of morose and drinking. Uh, and they kind of talk about that she's part of the rift. Maybe she could help them come over. And Dickens is like, you got to be kidding me. Like, so we have gaseous beings from another world that are traveling on music through, through gas. Uh, and Rose is kind of standing up to the doctor. She's like, why can't you just let them deal with their own problems? Why do we have to help them? Uh, like, especially, like, uh, get over-involved. Uh, 
And uh, her and the doctor kind of go back. Uh, like, your doctor's kind of actually like a little bit of, you know, like going from an area of like uh, intellectual aggression, I'd call it, saying like he knows better than Rose. Uh, but Rose is like more of a naturalist uh, and a humanist. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, but Gwenda says, you know what? I'll do it. I'll help. Uh, let's help these gas people. Uh, like, uh, why not? Um, let's see. Then Drunken Rose, she wants to help. Uh, so he goes, we got to find the rift. Uh, and he goes, oh, it's at the weakest point in the house. So, so then they go downstairs and there's like a romper room downstairs. And, the uh, it's a basement, you know, where you to chill. Uh, but, uh, he says, talk about bleak house jokes, uh, or maybe I put that, but there's a good bleak house, uh, and there's a little bit more about talk about the time more. Uh, then they say, oh, the bridge is beneath this arch. Uh, so they go through all this work to get all the gas beings and uh, do all that. But it really was a trick because uh, the gas beings just want to give people gas. Uh, in the total irony, uh, they used music and their words uh, and they go after Sneed first, and he goes, oh, I got, he goes, I got to sit down. I got some gas. Uh, and Dickens freezes, and, uh, the, like, uh, they kind of get, like, uh, the doctor and Rose are like, uh, like, we don't want gas. We got we got to travel. We're like, you're the time lord, and I'm, a, like, human. Uh, and it's also just a little overwhelming because, like, through gas, like, what if gas through a gas being just isn't, like, uh, something I'm into? And then Dickens goes to run uh, to split, and as he gets to the door, he looks at the door knocker, and he sees a gas musician in the door knocker making music. And then he changes his mind and comes back because uh, he realizes that he has this new gas idea. Then we have an interesting conversation with the doctor in Rose. Because she says, well, geez, what if, if we get gas in 1869, what does that mean for my regular? And he goes, you know what? Time's not a straight line. It's a flat circle. You know, just like McCon Matthew McConaughey said on that other show. Uh, and uh, they also make issue. They go, why do we have to do this in Cardiff of all places? It doesn't get a lot of love. Uh, but after Dickens sees the, uh, uh, he keeps thinking about running, uh, after, even after the door knocker thing, but eventually he changes his mind and turns back. Uh, and what was his idea? Like he runs past a gas lantern and he says, Oh, uh, he goes more gas, uh, uh, gas. So what he does is he turns off all the gas lamps, but leaves the gas on. And he runs around the house uh, and he goes, I hope this like, theory will be validated soon. And actually it works. Like there's to become so much gas in the room uh, that, that it overgasses things and you can't get it. Uh, and so the Gwyneth, uh, uh, like uh, she says, like her and Rose have an emotional moment. Uh, and she says, I'm going to send everybody back to the gas world, the gas music world, and cut the music rift off. And she does that. Uh, and she just goes, poof. Uh, uh, and everybody goes back to the gas world. 
Uh, but the doctor didn't tell Rose the whole story. So she, I think he lost a little bit of Rose's t- trust because uh, he thought she would send them back. But she went to the gas world, too. And uh, so that was interesting. And then we have, uh, like, so, so the, it, like, towards the end of it, it's like they're looking back at the house, and the house is, uh, uh, like, the last of the music plays. Uh, and the doctor's trying to explain himself to Rose, uh, and, uh, how strange uh, things were working, uh, uh, I don't know, like, uh, a little bit like, uh, he's like, I'm a time lord, you're a human. So, and, uh, Dickens says, there are more things in heaven and earth that are dreamt up in your, of your philosophy, even yours, doctor, because this is beyond what we know. And Rose says, well, she went to save the world. And we get like a boom shot of the three of them standing there, which is cool. And a really great job of playing Charles Dickens uh, is someone that goes to the Dickens Fair all the time. And then they go back to the box and uh, the doctor's like, all right, Charlie boy, we got to hit the road. We're going to go inside our box. Uh, They say, what are you going to do? He goes, I'm going back to London post haste, uh, literally. He goes, it's time for me to spend Christmas with my family and make amends. And he goes, after tonight, I've learned nothing could be more vital. And everybody's like, yeah, you're happier. And he goes, yeah, this morning I thought I knew everything in the world. And he goes, now I know it's just a beginning. A huge, wonderful notions, doctor. And he goes, I'm inspired to write some more. And Rosa goes, do you think it's a good idea? He goes, oh, I'll be uh, subtle. I got the mystery of Edwin Drew to, to uh, uh, fit an ending for. And he goes, maybe I'll sneak it in there. And he goes, but who knows? Uh, he goes, I'll spread the word, maybe. Tell the truth. And the doctor goes, good luck with it. He goes, fantastic. Uh, and Rose goes, goodbye. She gives Dickens a, a kiss on the cheek. He, he's like a little bit uh, blown away. He goes, how modern. And he goes, what do you mean goodbye? He goes, do you mind if I ask, uh, where are you going in, in the shed? And the doctor goes, don't worry, you'll see. And he goes, it's riddle after riddle with you, doctor. But after all these revelations, I still have one mystery I need explained. And he says, who are you? And the doctor says, just a friend. And he goes, but you know the future. He goes, do you mind if I ask, uh, how's the future look for my stories? Uh, Do they last in my books, doctor? And, uh, this gives me the chills. He goes, oh yeah. And he goes, for how long? He goes, forever. And Dickens almost cries. Uh, it was really, really like a brilliantly chilling moment in a good way. And he goes, what are you going to do? What are you going in the box for again? And they go, don't worry about it. And then to cap it off, they go in the box, uh, and they go, yeah, well, uh, you go, he's the 1870s when he goes to the big farm, but that was nice. Uh, it'll be good for him. Uh, but he goes, we got to just spend some time with old Charlie boy. He's never been more alive than now. And they go, we'll, we'll fade the box out with him watching. And that'll really blow his mind. And so they do that. And, uh, Dickens watches that and the snow falls and Dickens laughs hysterically and, like, lumbers off. Uh, 
And then he goes in the streets and the snow's falling. It's Christmas. He starts saying, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, sir. And then he says, God bless us, everyone. It was just like a sweet ending uh, that really fit the, uh, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. And uh, that was it for the uh, uh, for first uh, taste of Doctor Who for the holiday season. Uh, thanks, everybody.